All right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers post game show. Derek Bodner joined by a special co host, Roy Burton. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. How are you, Derek? You know, one of the great things about being as old as I am and having <laughs> worked in this industry for as long as I have been lucky to work is you meet a lot of really smart, wonderful people along the way. And, you know, we have a couple of them here working alongside with me. Rich is, of course, um, you know, he's uh, on a little bit of a trip. Mm -hmm. uh, Kyle, we want to make sure we have at the game. Devon is still sort of stuck in limbo. So we call up, uh, you know, like I said, one of my real good old friends in the industry, a guy who has certainly been talking a lot of sports for a very long time and is a professional at this. And it's great to have you on here. You know, I'm, you know, we go back, you know, quite a ways in, in this business. We're both old is what he's trying yeah, to say. We're, yeah. We're, we're seasoned. Right. Can, can right. we say we're veterans at this? You know, Derek and I have kind of gone back and forth, you know, talking Sixers for, you know, more than a decade now. And I, he had called in an old favor. I know he covered a couple of game stories for me way back in the past. So, you know, it was time to cash in those chips. So here I am. So I'm glad to be here. And boy, do we have a good one here to talk about. The Sixers with a 146 to 128 win over the Washington Wizards. Maybe the worst team in the league. Probably <laughs> not maybe. It's probably pretty definite, especially yeah. once the Grizzlies get their stuff together. Yeah. Highlighted by a 29-point performance from Joel Embiid in the third quarter alone. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because I felt like this game started and Embiid was struggling a little bit against Daniel Gafford, which is one of those surprising things that happens. It sounds funny to say, right? Every you know? now and then, but Gafford was playing in pretty tough one-on-one uh, -on -one defense. Yeah. And then the Sixers really struggled a little bit with Tyus Jones. He was getting in the paint, finding mm -hmm. Gafford for some lobs. Embiid was sort of caught in no man's land. You're sitting there going like... You know, this might just be one of those inexplicable struggles for Joel Embiid that just happens every now and then. It makes no sense, but it, it, we've been watching him long enough where we know it happens. Right. And then you look at the end at the end of the half, and he had 19-9-5. and five. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Mike Lynch, our buddy over at Sports Reference, noted that that was the first Sixers player to have 19-9-5 and five and a half since Allen Iverson in 1998. Yes. Which, again, you and I are old enough. We probably remember that game. But, uh, yeah, you know, I remember it's that been a, It's been a minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> So he had that sort of semi-historic half, and then he comes out in the third quarter, drops 29 points on 10 shots, 29 points, 10 for 10 from the field, 9 for 9 from the free throw line, uh, the most points in a quarter in franchise history, most points in a quarter by any NBA player this season. Mm -hmm. And it was effortless. It was really, effortless. really effortless. Yeah, no, the, the two-man game, especially between him and Maxi in the beginning of that third quarter, was amazing. I don't know if you broke down the numbers at all, Embiid and Maxi scored the first 30 points for yeah. the Sixers in, in that yeah. third quarter. They had that th the three straight, you know, basically, you know, the pocket pass, you know, dunks for, for Embiid, for Maxi, like three straight to rip off the, the third quarter. What was amazing about this Embiid thing was that he had two points with three minutes, you know, to go in the first quarter. Yep. Like, like you said, like it was going to be a slow game. We thought it was going to be a slow game, or I thought it was going to be a slow game against Daniel Gafford. And of course, you have a big game coming up Wednesday that we'll talk about later that, hey, maybe this is a look-ahead game for the Sixers because they have Boston on the horizon. And then they just turn the turn a switch again. You had the about nineteen nine and five in the first half uh, for Joel Embiid, and again that's a fantastic quarter, um, fantastic half for for anybody. But then the third quarter was just unbelievable. It's, it's one of those games where, like you said, you, you see it on the schedule. It's like it's not doesn't seem to be a very appealing matchup, and you kind of have to think about what's going to be the, the thing that we talk about. You know, when we do the post game show, Joel Embiid gave us a ton of stuff to talk about yep. in this one. Yeah, and they came out there to start the third quarter, and they just ran pick and roll after pick and roll yep. and after pick and roll. And they were leaving the strong side corner open, which meant the Wizards basically had to try to contain that to a two-man game. If not, the help would be coming from far away and would be slow to get there. Mm -hmm. And they weren't able to contain that to a two-man game. Tyrese Maxey is just too good of a scorer coming off the pick and roll for that to be successful. The baseline help coming over was too late, and Joel Embiid got a couple of real easy rolls to the rim. Rolling to the rim off a of pick and roll isn't necessarily Joel Embiid's favorite thing to do, but when you give him that much space, and he's a large, human, large talented <laughs> human being, yes. he's going to figure it out. Then the Wizards came out with some zone and Joel Embiid was just getting the free throw line and shooting over it with ease. When he needed to make a read out of that, he was able to make a read out of it and find his outlets. Mm -hmm. It was just, and look, they're the Wizards, all right? They suck. Like, <laughs> they might as well be the Washington Generals. They're a bad basketball they might, team they might not as well trying be. to win right now. Correct. It'll be a much tougher test here on Wednesday. But that was as good and as dominant of a two-man game and of, as a quarter of basketball as you could really ever see i really oh you know what i'm gonna be honest with you guys i'm gonna be honest with everybody watching i was prepared to come in here and, and complain to you and ask you 
being the, the Sixers wizard that you are, no pun intended, I really wanted to see the Sixers kind of try to figure out and get another, you know, shot trim, um, you know, offense initiator, ball handler kind of guy in the offseason, and they, they didn't. And now that James Harden's gone, obviously yeah. you don't have that. So I was ready to come in here and say, you know what, I, I like Tyrese Maxey. I, I understand he's trying to evolve into a, you know, more of a point guard, but you know, I need somebody to kind of initiate that two-man game with Joel Embiid a little bit more. I need to see some of that pick-and-roll stuff. I, we got a lot of it today. I don't know if this is sustainable because, again, this is the Wizards. But, you know, if we can get, you know, more of this in every game, I mean, this, this team is really going to be going to be really hard to stop. Yeah. Uh, Shout-out to Ash who dropped a super chat in the chat. Didn't really have a question, but he pointed out that Joel had 10 minutes or 10 points with 223 left in the half and then scored 38 points in the next 14 minutes. <sighs> And 22 seconds of game time, basically a quarter of play. It was an insane outburst. We also have people in chat pointing out that, yeah, the, the Wizards really do stink. Um, <laughs> they had the worst defense in the league coming into yeah, the night. They were giving up 122 point something, like 122.3, I think it was, points per 100 possessions. They gave up 132.7 to the Sixers here tonight. Um, they are They're a bad team. But yep. you still have to go out and make shots. You still have to execute. And when you're talking about what Joel Embiid was able to put up and put up pretty easily there in that game, when you're talking about Tyrese Maxey dropping 22 and 11 with zero turnovers on the night, and again, Ooh, some of those assists beautiful. were like you drop the ball off the Joel at the free throw line, he makes a jumper, they have no chance to defend it. But Tyrese Maxey being able to take care of the ball and distribute the way that he was, I do think he did a real good job of finding Embiid not only as a roller, mm-hmm. but with those pocket passes. It's just a real nice evolution for Maxi so far. And again, what he does on Wednesday, we will read into more than what he was able to do tonight because, again, the Wizards stink, <laughs> and Boston very much does not. Boston is probably the best team in the league, certainly up there yeah. in the top two or three. But every team has... Like every team in the East has four games against the Wizards. Every team has at least two. Like everyone has these opportunities to drop 146 on an NBA team. It is a it was a good performance. Good good offensive performance at least. Very yeah, very good offensive performance. And shout out to the Sixers for kind of matching the Wizards' energy because again, when you have a team like the Wizards that it's not very good, you know, like usually that team runs up and down the court, you know, tries to kind of get as many possessions as they can. And you saw the Wizards coming into the game, I think 105 possessions per game led the, led the NBA. So they were going to run up and down the court. And the Sixers, again, to their credit, again, with the game with Boston coming up on horizon, they matched that energy tonight. They yeah. were able to kind of, you know, meet, meet the Wizards, outscore them in every quarter except for the fourth, and the fourth really didn't matter. So kudos to the Sixers for kind of switching up their game because the Sixers, you know, under Nick Nurse, they've been a little bit more deliberate on offense. Again, yep. they've kind of gone into, you know, kind of gone into offensive sets and kind of waited for good shots, move the ball around, move without the ball, which is great. But, again, the Wizards started going up and down the court, and then, you know, Sixers kind of matched that energy, and they were able to make those shots tonight. Yep. Yep. Just a, a good overall. And, look, I think one of the things probably going to get lost here because Embiid really did have a historic night um, like I mentioned, most points in a quarter in franchise history. Ever. And I think I Ever. have to, let me think. There last, was do, you know, do, you know, do you know the last time that happened? Who, who had the record before that? I mean, I feel like it's God. Uh, no, so is this, um, I mean, is it AI? It, no, it is Joel Embiid uh, last year, okay. fourth quarter against the Utah Jazz. I felt Jazz. like I should have remembered that. It was, last it was last year. year. Yeah. Like you, you watch all of these. Derek watches all of these games multiple times, folks. Multiple uh, times. I, I, I forget random stats. I guess I don't know what you want. Yeah, from Joel me. Embiid had twenty six points in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. I believe it was November eighteenth of twenty twenty two. And he was the first, and this is again from Mike Lynch of Sports Reference, first player since nineteen ninety six ninety seven to make. 10 or more free throws and nine or more free throw or 10 or more field goals and nine or more free throw attempts in a quarter. And again, that's among any NBA player. Um, just a, and, and again, that follows up the first half where he was having a pretty much historic first half, most of which came in the final couple of minutes. Just a, a really impressive performance from Joel in all facets of the game. Season high, of, you know, for uh, 75 points as a season high in the first half for the Sixers, again, led, led by Joel Embiid. You know, 21 assists on 27 baskets. Like, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. Like, when this offense is clicking, when Joel Embiid is clicking, when when Tyrese Maxey is getting the ball to the guys and, and they're making open shots, 
like this is beautiful basketball again like I don't want to overstate the case because again we'll find out more because Wednesday is a measuring stick but again these guys get paid too I mean you know the, the Wizards get paid too and and the Wizards came out and the Wizards had energy and the Wizards you know they put up a good fight and I mean the stats really don't tell the story because this is one of those games where the, you know the, the score doesn't tell the final sco- final story but the Wizards are, are you know again the Wizards played hard tonight they're not necessarily good but they played hard and the Sixers you know stepped up their game and, and, and matched that energy yeah no they really did it was it was you know you kind of felt uh, after about the first six or so minutes when Embiid you know started to get going and Max started to get going never really worried about them losing this game right but it's one thing to lose it it's another thing where Embiid doesn't have to play again in the fourth quarter we're able to drop that 45 spot in the third after 42 in the second where Embiid's getting whatever he wants it's one thing to win a game. It's another thing to do so so easily and and so stress free. Um, it is uh, look. I worry about Joel Embiid's minutes. It's a long season. I think he's going to want to play a lot of games to have back to back games where he can sit out the fourth quarter uh, to take care of business right. to push the lead when he is out of the game. I mean, he, he was only I say only only uh, plus fifteen in thirty one minutes. That means they held their own again without him on the floor. They've done that a couple games in a row here. Uh, it is it is nice to see. It is, it is nice to see, and it was nice to see, you know, you got some pretty decent contributions from the bench today. Uh, we'll talk more about, about them later. I know it's a little bit skewed because, again, the last the end, ending of the game was a little bit, you know, cattywampus at the end with all those bench guys in there. But you got some bench scoring, and you got some scoring from guys like D'Anthony Melton, who you were you kind of were hoping that he would kind of break out of his slump and, and, and give you some of that. So that's what I was a little bit concerned about as well. It's like you had so much scoring kind of reserved for the top four guys. I'm including Kelly Oubre in that top four because they're the first team in the NBA in NBA history with four guys who average 20 points a game or more in the first five games of a season. So you kind of wanted to see, you know, where that other complimentary scorer was going to mm-hmm. be, whether it would be a D'Anthony Melton, whether it be some of the guys coming off the bench. And we saw a little bit of that tonight, and hopefully that, that carries over going forward. Yep. Yeah, it is. It, that's a great point. Like Melton getting off the schneid here. And look, again, it's the Wizards. <laughs> Even so, like you need some of these opponents and these games where you can get uh, back on track. Correct. And Melton's too good of a shooter to, uh, what was he shooting coming in? It, it was an ungodly percentage from three. He was getting decent looks. He's always going to have those struggles in, <laughs> at the rim. We sort of know about that as the, or DeAnthony in that regard. Yeah. But he's going to make his open threes. And for him to come out and make four out of five, Again, I don't care who it is, just to do that in a game and get your confidence back up. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I think he needed this kind of game for sure. Yeah, he he absolutely needed this game. I think I think the Sixers themselves just kind of needed this kind of game, just where again, like again, you can match another team's energy. But again, it's not just you know you have to be so reliant on Tyreek Maxey carrying you early because he had a, you know it took him a while to kind of get mm-hmm. going offensively. You don't need to be relying on Kelly Oubre making those open threes. You got contributions from a lot of different guys. Tobias Harris had a, had a very good first half. I think he had 16 in the first half. Yep. No, um, Tobias was was real good. Uh, again, I I think he benefits. From Nick Nurse's schemes, or even more specifically, Nick Nurse's emphasis on trying to get out and transition, him being able to attack early on in the shot clock before the defense is truly set, yeah. uh, I think benefits him a lot. Whereas before, he would you know be standing in the corner and maybe try to make something happen towards the end of the shot clock when the primary or secondary action didn't really uh, get anywhere. Him being able to, and it's not even like empowered, but just the fact that like the Sixers last year were slow. They were slow <laughs> physically in terms right. of some of their personnel. And, and the way Harden brought the ball up and B took a while to get there. And, you know, you had George and PJ. And so they're much quicker athletically. But also they just have a coach who's emphasizing getting out, you know, forcing those turnovers, yeah. getting out in, tr- in transition. Uh, and I think that's going to lead to some easy buckets for Tobias. And when Tobias gets easy buckets, he then gets confidence. And then you see those catch and shoot threes. Then you see him try to take people off the dribble and it leads to a much better version. He's been just unbelievably consistent night in and night out here. You know, I saw before the game, this isn't true now because he only scored 18. He was averaging exactly 20 points per game over his first five. Mm -hmm. But coming into the game, so he's going to be averaging like 19.9 points now. Coming (laughs) into the game, he was one of two players to be averaging 20 points per game and shooting 60% from the field. The other one has a couple of MVP trophies on his shelf in Jokic. Uh, So it's pretty good company to have. Only five games, but there's only two players in the NBA who are doing that. Tobias has been fantastic here to start the year. Yeah, and I, I know it's small sample size theater talking about Tobias and, and what he's been doing, but he's been absolutely fantastic, like you said. 65% before tonight, 65% from the floor, 45% or 44% from three. 
I don't know if this is Tobias, a contract year Tobias that we're getting. You know, maybe this is kind of he's motivated to kind of get a deal this offseason. I don't know if it's motivated you, Derek Bodner, to maybe consider Derek, uh, Tobias Harris to be part of this core next year going forward. I, I don't know if you're there yet, but I just want to put it out there. We'll see. We had a lot of basketball to play. Yeah. We had a lot of basketball to play. All right. Uh, quick word. We have a, a new sponsor actually here. So quick word from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recover beverage for a long time. Chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. Whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a runaround boathouse row, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk is an ideal post-workout beverage. Taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go from there? I, it's really, I feel like we probably should do the entire show talking about Joel Embiid. We can. Can I ask you a question, though? Since, sure. Since we're we're talking it. about this. So again, I, I suppose you're allowed to ask a question. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I don't mean to hijack, hijack yeah, a yeah. show here, but the Sixers in, the, in that first half, they went 10 deep um, in the rotation. No Daniel House, no Robert Covington, no K.J. Martin. I'm kind of curious as to how you think the rotation is going to settle, it, settle itself out. I imagine they'll keep rolling with Kelly Oubre as a starter until something falls apart. But if they do or if they don't, how do you think at some point, how do you think the, the nine or ten guys are going to look in that rotation? Yeah. You know, I, I still go back to, you know, Nick was asked about that late last week. I forget exactly who Shade is. They all kind of blend together. But pretty much one of the first press conferences we had after the trade, he was like, look, I'm, I'm probably going to start Kelly now. Uh, I look at that as a short, a sort of short, t- short term thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I really like Kelly's scoring punch off the bench. And I think that's probably where we end up, you know, and you look at today, he ended up with just five shots right. in 27 minutes of play. And I think people will probably be like, Hey, he only scored three points today. I actually kind of like the fact that he was willing to go out there for 27 minutes and only shoot the ball five times. Like if you get that kind of Kelly Oubre where he's only taking the shots where he's open or he's playing consistent defense. And he had that one, you know, incredible sort of recovery block there mm-hmm. at the rim when the Sixers really had a bad transition, uh, defensive performance there. I'm okay with him having an occasional game like this. I do think ultimately you're probably going to see, I would guess Batum slide into that starting role, and Batum okay. was real good here in the first half today. Yeah, uh, it's probably something we have to get to in the segment. But I think you probably end up seeing Batum as that starter. I think they probably keep Melton in there, although Melton has you know historically performed better off the bench. I think it probably ends up, uh, you know, with Maxi Melton, uh, Batum, Harris, and Embiid as the starters. Okay. After that. I mean, there's there's a lot of options that they have there. Obviously, Ubre uh, would be in that in in that next group, right? Uh, and you're really probably looking at like a nine or a ten man rotation at most, probably more like nine. So after that, who's the next four? Well, Reed has to be almost because he's the center, correct? Um, Patrick Beverly. The Beverly almost has to because he's really the only other ball handler that you have, right? And it's probably Robert Covington, I would guess, but Cub only got two minutes here tonight. Uh, I could see that spot potentially being up. But I would guess those would probably be my nine. But okay. it, I mean, there's an odd. And look, anyone who's been watching this team, it feels like two weeks ago they had zero wings, and they almost <laughs> had to sign Kelly Oubre because right. he was tall and athletic, and he was the only one on the roster who was. And now you don't have enough time to play any of them, and I'm not sure I can remember that ever really happening in the last 15 years of Sixers basketball. It's I, wild. Yeah, I was going to say, like you and I, again, like, I've known you, known you for you know more than a decade. All, over all of this time, mm-hmm. how many athletic wings on the level of a Kelly Oubre have we watched all no. of, over those years? You can count them literally on one hand and have fingers yeah. left over. Like, and there hasn't been that many guys. And you have an Oubre, you have a, you know, a, a Springer whose offense is kind of you know, in, in a work in progress. But again, he's super athletic, especially on the defensive end. You, know, you have a Daniel House. You have guys who can get to the basket, who can, who can be athletic, who can make plays on the wing, and who can, who can run and, and just make things happen with their energy. It's, it's refreshing. I mean, it's like I never, you know, like, I, you know, I want a guy who can shoot, obviously. I want a, you know, a secondary ball handler. But just to have this athleticism just gives you so much more flexibility on offense in terms yeah. of what you can do. It's, it's, really, it's really refreshing. And I think Batum probably gives you the most as a player to play off of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. You know, he can spot mm-hmm. up and shoot. We saw today he can, you know, 
come down off of a pin down or maybe even run a little floppy and, and get himself open that way. Um, he can, you know, have relocation threes where he's shuffling around on the perimeter. And he can also then, you know, create a little bit as, you know, attacking closeouts, even maybe some secondary ball handler action. He has enough passing and, and playmaking instincts to just make good reads with the ball. Yeah. And being how tall he is, uh, the fact that people are closing out on him, and you can run him off ball um, a little bit to get open, I think he probably fits most seamlessly with the Sixers' two primary scorers. I think he is the easy money to be the starter. So yeah. if you start Batum, and again, I have no problem with that. I think Batum is the is what the guy who a lot of, a lot of people envisioned Robert Covington would be when he came back here. Yeah, there's a whole lot more dribbling <laughs> with Batum for sure. Yeah, so I, again, I have no problem with Batum being that guy, and I think that probably makes the most sense, but... Again, in terms of the bench, you know, where does that leave you? Who's your who's your shooter off the bench? Who's the guy who's gonna who's gonna be able to knock down a couple open threes off the bench? Like, I mean, look, Cubs been down the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe in this shot. Okay. I don't know if I. There's not a ton of high volume shooting off the bench, and I think with I mean you're gonna have I mean look Ubre is gonna be your primary. Yeah, he's your volume guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah. he will have nights where he will make a good percentage. Um, he will have nights where he goes zero for five. Like he he's gonna be a little bit streaky from the perimeter. Part of that is shot selection, um, and I think that you know like you've got to make sure that you have one of Maxi and Embiid on the floor almost at all times. Correct. To help with that. Uh, but no, I mean, look, there's not a ton of pure shooters off the bench if you elevate uh, Batum into the starting lineup. Korkmaz is there, uh, so that will help a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't mind one or two more high-volume pure shooters. That's that's fair. Yeah, so, fair. so do you think, and maybe we're getting ahead of our skis here, do you think those shooters come? Do you think that secondary ball handler comes? Maybe they come in one package. Again, I'm not asking for... You know Dana Barrows, you know 2023 version to come to be to be your point guard slash guy who can give you yeah. a couple of threes. But do you think you know that they're going to be able to get both of those needs or fill those, both of those needs? You know by the the trade deadline. I, 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 I don't know how back. many guys are out there because yeah, yeah, yeah. shooting. I mean, it seems like every team has like three of those guys, and the Sixers have none on the, off the bench. Yeah. So it's like how how can you you know get some of these guys given the pieces that you have? Because again, you have a you know. 12 or 13 playable guys. I don't know if you would necessarily want to move off of any of those guys that bring in a piece, but maybe you do. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't. We probably don't have too many moves happening um, all that soon. Uh, like, I certainly think the team you have now is probably the team you're going to have until we get to February. Um, so I don't expect any major moves. And also, I think it's going to be tough to get a, unless you make a major move, it's going to be tough to get a ball handler or a wing to be a high volume shooter because. They're just not going to expend any um, assets Capital, until we get yeah. to that point. I believe we have Kyle here checking in from the Wells Fargo Center. How you doing, Kyle? Kyle, what's up, man? What's going on, this fellas? Is, nice to see is, Roy in our beautiful is, set. Haven't seen his wonderful face in quite a long time. So this is nice to see you, my than friend. We, than we ever have you. I was not ready for Because he, he knew I was here. Maybe so. he was just excited to talk to Roy. Absolutely. That's That's Absolutely. Fair. I was definitely excited to talk to Roy, but I was also hoping to get on and listen to Derek do all the ad reads. So, you know, see, make sure you don't screw anything up, Derek. That's obviously of the utmost importance. Obviously, yes. Uh, no, there's only, there's only three today. It's, it's not a, a, a bad day today. It's a, you know, if I'm going to have to do them all by myself, I think this is a pretty good lot to get. Um, so I guess, I got, what was the atmosphere like there in that third quarter? Because that was one of the more... You know, I, I mentioned this at the top. It seemed like Joel Embiid came out and had there's a little bit of a struggle. Gafford was holding him up one on one. Jones was getting into the paint. And they were sort of finding or getting Joel caught in that in between zone. You went, ah, this might be a game where maybe Joel Embiid sleepwalks through much of it. Then you look up in the third quarter and he's got 48 or whatever at the end yeah. with that 29 point historic performance. What was the atmosphere like in the Wells Fargo? Well, by the way, crime against humanity that he didn't get a shot at the end of the quarter to i was get saying you gotta get him 50 quarters. like this is why Papev is not a backup point guard a point guard would have gotten him the damn ball there that's your only job <laughs> is to feed the guy who's rolling and make Preach. sure he can get his 50 and three quarters like, come on bro you got you got to do better than that and i love Papev. uh in terms of the atmosphere it was great i mean number one we got the first mvp chance of the season for joe Derek, you and I have certainly huh. talked a lot about this, but we figured people would warm up quickly to Joe after an offseason where 
it was unclear if anybody liked this guy anymore. It was a lot of trade him and I'm sick of this team. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. And I think they've now quickly turned to, hey, the team can be really good again. Tyrese has taken another step forward. Oh, wow. What a surprise. Joe is still capable of absolutely dismantling these bad teams. And I think people, it's starting to sink in for the fans. Like this team is pretty good. They're fun. They look different just in terms of the style and how hard they're playing and the cutting, the movement, the pace, all these different things. So I think you're starting to see the fan base really take hold and and embrace this team, which is really nice. And obviously anytime a guy drops 48 and less than three quarters, that's easy to get excited for, but I think that is also dovetailing along with the overall take, which is I like this team, and I don't think that that was clear coming into the season. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of this team, uh, there was a lot of energy even in that fourth quarter. The game was over. You know, the starters were out, Embiid was out. But these guys are still hustling. You know, they're still, you know, you know, making plays, diving after the ball, you know, making blocks and things like that. Just being around the team as much as you are, is it that much of a market difference between this team and what we saw the last couple of years with Doc Rivers? I think so, because, I mean, Roy, Derek would tell you, we were at training camp in Colorado, and it felt like every single day there was a guy who was not naming Doc by name, but would be like, oh, yeah, we're doing stuff so much smarter and better than we did last season. Like, it's a night and day difference. I'm getting it. And now some of it is selfish, where it's like, Role players are touching the ball more. So obviously they're thrilled that it's not the James Harden, Joel Embiid show for four quarters. That's It's only up to go from there for them. But aside from that, I mean, look, I, I think these guys, you can see by how hard they're playing. Now, defensively tonight was not exactly their best outing. That's just one of those nights. And Nick made sure to note that after the game. But I think overall you see, like when the bench mob came in fourth quarter, Game's out of reach. They're up 20-plus. Paul Reed and Rob Covington are trapping guys full court and creating turnovers and playing hard. And so to see that and see this overall consensus buy-in, it obviously starts with the, the best players and the guys at the top of the depth chart. Everyone else will follow them. But to see it from even the guys who are playing limited minutes and getting in there for you know the final eight of a 20-point win, essentially – that to me speaks volumes about where this team is at right now. Yeah. I remember back when uh, we interviewed Tobias on media day and he was like, man, we're moving so much. And we're like, how much change can there really be? Oh no, they're actually moving a, off ball a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think you guys are really going to enjoy watching this. And I was like, eh, we'll see. He was right. He was right. Um, you know, I think it, certainly first impressions here of Batum. I mean, he just came out and hit three quick threes in the blink of an eye. Uh, the one of them coming down off of a screen on the baseline. Overall impressions on that, and do you think how long do you think it's going to take before he gets in the starting lineup? Well, so Nick admitted, Nick as in Nick Nurse. I'll, I'll say Nico right. for Batum because we actually had a little exchange with Batum after the game on what he'd like to be called since uh, – and he said, you could call me whatever. And I was like, no, buddy, you're the guy whose the name it is. You have to actually <laughs> define what you want us to say. So I thought what was really telling from Nick Nurse after the game was that he said, that was basically Batum playing all instinct. That was He's had very little time to study the playbook and work with these guys. And yet you see him making multiple relocation threes. You see them after he hits two threes, then Nick Nurse dials up a play and says, we're getting you the ball and we're getting you a shot. And one thing that I'm sure both of you guys appreciate after watching this team for years and years, he's got a really quick release too. Like that ball hits his hands and it's going up quickly if he thinks he has a shot. And that's a big asset in this offense where Joel's going to get doubled. Eventually teams are going to start doubling Tyrese more. And so the rest of the guys have to be confident and capable shooters. Nick certainly looks like one of them. I mean, he's got a ton of years at like 39, 40%. He's going to get open looks. And I think if you're inferring from just that first game where he's a smart enough, experienced enough player to just walk into this new team and immediately make an impact, yeah, I would certainly bet on him to be the long-term starter over somebody like a Kelly Oubre. But Nick said before the game, you know, he's not going to – he's seen enough from Kelly in this starting lineup, didn't have a good night tonight that he at least deserves the chance. We're going to see how it plays out. And 
I think it's a good problem to have. They have multiple options that they can throw there. Kelly for maybe some more dynamic athleticism and some more just cockiness, I guess, from the perimeter. And Nick is kind of a fit in and, you know, space the floor type of guy. And I also think another important thing Batum said after the game was he doesn't care if he plays five minutes, 15, 20, coming off the bench, starting. There's no ego there. He just wants to win. And so I think if there's somebody who might take a, a bench role that doesn't deserve to, that might be able to be a starter on merit, it's Batum just because he is willing to do whatever it takes for the team to be as good as it can be. Can we get can we get Batum to maybe start blowing kisses after a made three so then we can get the both, best <laughs> of both Oubre and Batum? No. Uh, I'll, so, I'll have so, to talk to him about that. He did go home okay. for the night, but you know, there's a couple more games this week, so we'll work good. on it. Let's get on that. So, so basically, Nicholas Batum, you're telling me, Kyle, Nicholas Batum is Joshua Dobbs. Is that is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I have higher expectations for him long term than maybe I do for Joshua Dobbs, but it's a great comparison. Like two guys who basically <laughs> just got handed a playbook, walked into a role, and went out right. there and dominated. So if they can. Both keep it rolling, and I wish them both all the best. So you, you, I, I know you noticed this, or I know you noted this in your post-game article. Go to allphly.com to check that out. We talked about it a little bit earlier on in the show. They came out in the second half and ran a lot of uh, pick and roll with uh, Maxi and Embiid, with the strong side, uh, strong corner was empty. What did you see from that, and what did Nick say about that after the game? Well, I'll tell you what Joel said about it after the game, that okay. there was something that they saw there in the first half. And Joel said that he went up to Nick and essentially was like, stop calling plays. We're going to do this over and over again. Until <laughs> they stop it. And I, I think that's something that honestly I give Doc Rivers a little bit of credit for. I know that's like saying no, Voldemort on this podcast go back right and now. Back and back and back. Yep. But that was one thing that Doc really stressed is you hammer something when it's working. And to the Sixers credit tonight, Nick, Gave away the reins, was like, you and Tyrese have this, go figure it out. And they just spammed it and spammed it and spammed it until the Wizards had to completely change their coverage there. And then as the quarter goes on, they play some zone, they do some other things. And you guys both know, zone has historically given this team a lot of problems. And Joe looked really comfortable operating from the middle of his zone. I thought he was really good in his role as kind of the quarterback from that middle of the floor up spot there. And even like, you know, Marcus Morris is playing third quarter minutes and they're still executing really well, despite the fact that he hadn't played any minutes at all until tonight. So yeah, I just look, this team is firing on all cylinders right now. I'm preparing for the bottom to drop out on Wednesday when they play (laughs) a Boston team that has been absolutely rolling and obviously historically has tortured them but but yeah that's a great example of joe and tyrese learning from you know what doc i think did well while he was here but then embracing that within the confines of a nick nurse system and the freedom now that tyrese has running the team being the point guard without james harden i thought it was it was amazing to see you know i honestly didn't think joe was spectacular in the first half certainly very good by the end of it but that third quarter was awe-inspiring just the two of them absolutely kicking the shit out of washington in the middle of the floor and if they're going to be a contender that's the vision right there it's those two just hammering every weakness that a defense poses to them yep so so real quick because i know everything's been unicorns and rainbows talking about the six it should be because again what we saw from joel and b you know tonight what are your areas of concern? Like, what are the things that, that, that worry you, you know, that, that keep, kind of keep you up at night? I mean, obviously, we have a game that we'll probably learn some more about, you know, uh, this team coming up Wednesday. But I'm sure there's some things that you're not feeling, you know, warm and fuzzy about with this, with this Sixers team. Anything kind of jump out at you? Well, so look, I think forward-looking concerns are can Tyrese be good enough against the elite of the elite that the lack of shot creation elsewhere doesn't matter, right? Because I think – Destroying the Wizards is great, and all these wins count the exact same in the record as they do against Boston and Milwaukee and whoever else. But I was actually talking to Derek before the game. You know, we've talked a lot about OG Ananobi and guys like that as potential trade targets. Does that hold in conversation if they go and play Boston and Drew Holiday locks Tyrese up and nobody else on the floor can really dribble and create a shot, and then they're doubling Joe, and Tyrese can't get free, and the offense bogs down, and we're left with just nothing on offense. So to me, that's the big concern because 
you know, a lot of it's been about Melton. Like we talk about the struggles that Melton had. Finally had a breakthrough game tonight, by the way. Congratulations yep. to Anthony. He got going from deep. But I don't think he's a point guard. I don't think anybody thinks he's a point guard. And he's often had to play that role whenever Tyrese hits the bench. So Joe has to be so good in those lineups that if there's any drop off from him, I start to really get nervous about how that works. And then obviously I would have liked the defense to be better tonight. Uh, I'm curious how they defend a team with multiple wings like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But frankly, they probably have more options now to throw at those guys than they have in any time in recent memory, you know, between Batum and Kelly. And then you got Cove and even like a KJ Martin, Jaden Springer can size up a little bit. So I am concerned there, but I wouldn't say I'm super concerned. It's It's just kind of a, a wait and see and it's mostly just like what does this team look like against good teams they've played so many poor or like below average type teams so far that i, I just want to see it against the real teams but even if they struggle early that's why we have 82 games to let these guys gel create some semblance of chemistry and then they'll load up against these guys in the playoffs nope uh they will go from the worst defense in the league to the best defense in the league in the span of 48 hours Boston isn't technically the best in terms of numbers. Minnesota is actually ahead of them. They're playing each other right now. Uh, but I think if you ask most people, Boston has the best, so it will be a great test. Kyle, one last question here for me. This one actually coming from Dave P. because he has In the chat, because he has been complimentary to us. And like I said, the best way to get your name mentioned is to be complimentary of your hosts. Do you prefer Metroid or Castlevania? Oh, my God. That is absolutely criminal to ask me that question because there is a genre. I don't know if you guys know this. I think both of you yep. are some semblance of gamers, different levels mm -hmm. for sure. Metroidvania, combining those two, is a genre in and of itself. And I would say two of my favorite games ever are Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I would say Symphony of the Night edges is out just slightly over super metroid but that'd be like okay. asking a father to name their favorite <laughs> child so I, everybody I mean, has a favorite kid every parent has a favorite I, kid I, <laughs> i'm a mom's well, favorite kid that's i, I was that. gonna say that's more for that's yeah, more in the yeah. dad zone over there i that's <laughs> i don't haven't had to have that uh discussion or debate quite yet but yeah that i can't choose a favorite child but if i had to i guess it's slightly castlevania but i like more of the metroid games it's like Okay. Castlevania has my favorite game of all of them. Metroid has more games that I like is how I would frame See, that I, argument. I asked this question in part because Dave P was complimentary, but in part because I knew you had a very strong take on it. So thank you, Kyle, for jumping on. Thank you take, for your, yeah. your video game takes. And, oh, uh, I'll see you in a couple Roy, days. Roy firing shots over there. <laughs> It's, it's a wrong take, but it's fine. I mean, it's, you, All this I'm time I haven't I'm seen you and he gets on here saying I'm wrong. God damn it, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, Kyle. Thanks, you, Kyle. thanks again. Good to see you guys. All right. Yep. All right. We have to uh, take a quick break here. We are running a little late here on a break because Kyle is wordy, but that is why we, that's why we hired him. He <laughs> likes to talk. It's part of the job. Uh, quick word here from game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best price guarantee, it means you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. If you want to get at the Wells Fargo Center, it's been a heck of a place to watch a basketball game here of late. You can see something historic like you saw tonight or you would have seen if you would have bought tickets with game time. Go to Game Time to get your tickets. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And with the Game Time guarantee, it means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set, with tickets sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. Where would you like to move on to from that? You know, I think one thing, whenever we have a guest here in the studio, mm -hmm. especially one who's, who's not on all the time, 
kind of, especially a, a team that is new in the season like we are right now. What's been your overall impression of Nick Nurse, okay. of how the team is different, the changes that he has made, and the overall impact that he has had? I just like the the flow of the offense better. Again, like you see more cutting, more movement, you know, without the ball. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I am a, an assistant coach in the Narberth Basketball League. And, you know, one of the things that we always preach to our kids is, you know, like the ball finds energy, like move without the ball, like stagnant offense just doesn't work. And again, you see a lot of guys moving, you see a lot of cuts, you see, you know, just a lot of energy on offense that we didn't see, you know, during the Doc Rivers years. So that to me is probably the main thing that, that I saw. And then I, I would say, you know, 1A would probably be just the commitment to defense by guys who I didn't think would be as committed to defense, right. namely Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, again, you know, high-volume shooter, scorer, you know, 20 points a game last year and this year. Um, not necessarily known for being the most defensive guy, sure. you, know, you know, in yeah. the NBA, but he's been more committed on defense. Tobias Harris has been more committed this year on defense. So that energy, I mean, that more commitment to defense, I think is probably 100% attributable to, to Nick Nurse. So I'm kind of impressed that everybody's team to have bought into a system so quickly. Yeah. No, there's definitely been buy-in. Uh, and again, there's probably a couple other factors like it's maybe a little easier to buy in when everyone is on an expiring contract. Like you <laughs> doesn't damn hurt. well better hustle doesn't, if you want to get your next contract. Or at hurt. least you want that contract to be uh, what you feel like you deserve. So I think that probably helps. You know, I think it probably helps that there's more movement uh, in terms of ball movement on the offensive side. It's a little easier to be bought in defensively when you're touching the rock. And I think there's been a pretty good, uh, you know, if you press your advantages, I think the Sixers have been willing to give you the ball and let you go. So I think all that helps. But certainly, when you talk about the consistency of Oubre's defensive buy-in, I think that's one where you really have to give him credit. And again, maybe he was humbled a little bit by the fact that he sure. dropped 20 a year or 20 a game last year, got a minimum contract. But Nick, so far, has pushed the right buttons. And just the way that he's been able to take a pretty hectic and chaotic defensive scheme, be able to dial up that aggressiveness, and really... Now, look, they were pretty bad defensively tonight. It's overshadowed a bit because Joel Embiid went bananas and Tyrese Maxey is incredible and all that stuff. Uh, but for the most part, I think they've been able to be an aggressive defense without really getting hurt too much uh, as a consequence to that. And with so many new places or so many new pieces in a, a system from Nick nurse as a new coach, uh, I think he's done a real good job in that regard. And just the movement offense, like it is just so nice to watch people yeah. cut yes. off the ball. It's just a revelation uh, to see <laughs> Kelly Oubre, make those cuts in a preseason when Springer was getting time. You saw him making those slot cuts. He's just found a way to make Embiid more natural as a facilitator on offense, which they have needed since they really just don't have that, you know, that guy that you would give the ball to like James Harden, every trip down had the ball, the second most in the league. They don't have that natural point guard like that. Right. Uh, and I think he's done a real good job of facilitating in that regard. I, I think he's, I think he's done as well and, and done a good job as well. And, once they figure out the bench, I'll be a little bit less concerned about the bench. The yeah. bench is, is my concern, my other concern right. on this team. Because, again, I just don't know where some of that, that ancillary stuff is going to come from. But, you know, once you figure out whether Batum's that guy, whether Oubre's that guy, it probably won't be. But once, you, once everybody has defined roles in this team and you have your defined 9 or 10, I think you'll get a natural, you know, you know, 25, 30 points a game from your bench. I know you had 41 bench points today, but again, today was all cattywampus. Like this, these points really don't count because the game was all over the place. But I think once everybody has a defined role, I think we'll be fine on the bench as far as guys scoring. But I am a little concerned because again, four guys are accounting for, you know, 90 some points a game as of now coming into tonight. So that's got to change it. If you're going to, you know, compete, compete against the Milwaukee's and Boston's of the world. Yep. No, I, I agree. And it will be like, Kyle's point was a good one. It's great that they're banking these wins and they're five and yeah. one. You can't complain about it. They're looking really good doing it, uh, especially with a team with a new coach. Maybe you want some of these easy games to ramp you up and get you ready for the tough ones. It will be a lot more telling here in this coming stretch when they do play Boston, when they do play some of these other really good teams of a lot of this offensive system or the defensive aggressiveness, how much will work when you have a team that knows what they're doing rather than the Washington Wizards uh, <laughs> and are able to capitalize on that. But I mean, when you talk about any reasonable expectations, they're exceeding it by leaps and bounds this year. Yeah. Uh, are you, do you have any concerns? Cause we really haven't talked much about Paul Reed this year. I mean, he's just been yeah. a guy, he's been fine. 
any concerns about that the backup center spot? I mean, he's been fine, but again, he hasn't had to do much because Joel Embiid has been fantastic. Tyrese Maxey's been fantastic. They've been smoking teams. So you really yeah. haven't, haven't needed to, again, like Joel hasn't gotten a foul trouble where you've needed to lean on Reed for, you know, you know 18, 20 minutes a night. Any concerns about the, the backup big, bigs on this team? Certainly, uh, when you start talking about like a third big, uh, I don't have any confidence in Mo Bamba. Uh, we shouldn't. I think <laughs> definitely shouldn't. No, no offense, Mo. I'm sorry. No, he's, he's fine. He's a good dude, just not a good basketball yeah. player. That's fine. Yeah. Um, in terms of Paul Reed, you know, I think I probably had lower expectations coming in than most people did. You know, I think there's a lot of hype for Paul that was going to be tough to live up to, Agreed. especially in terms of like his three-point shooting, his decision-making, his ability to play alongside Embiid. I think people were expecting more of a leap than maybe uh, was realistic to expect. So I think because of that, I'm maybe not as disappointed in Paul because I really just want him playing that backup uh, center role and excelling in it. Has he been excelling in it? No. But I think he shows enough in terms of his defensive instincts and playmaking, enough growth in terms of his uh, touch around the rim and his, you know, his just ability to get his feet under him on some of these drives that I'm pretty impressed by. Yeah. But I think he will eventually figure it out. I think Paul is always going to have stretches where he looks like, how is this guy in the NBA? Because he's making every wrong decision that time. I think that's <laughs> going to be part of his game, in part right. because he just plays a very aggressive style. And when you play that aggressive, you're going to lead yourself into mistakes, especially when you're not the most skilled player on the floor. But then he's going to have some games where he's just an ace defensively and causing all kinds of havoc and getting you out in transition. You're going to be like, all right. So even if it's not a night-to-night consistency, mm-hmm. and even if he doesn't develop into the kind of player who can play alongside Joel Embiid, I'm not that concerned because I just I had my expectations lower, I think. And I still think when push comes to shove in the playoffs, he is probably I'm probably going to be comfortable with him as a backup center, and that's okay. all I'm really looking for him to be. I'm not looking right. for him to grow into someone that he isn't or hasn't been in the past. Okay, yeah. But he has not been. I mean, this has not been the best stretch of his career by far. No. He's definitely struggling here out of the gate. I just think it's more like... I view it as a struggle, whereas I think a lot of people are disappointed that he didn't make that leap. I just never really expected that leap. That, and, that, and that's fair. I think that's really all you can ask for is like, do you feel comfortable comfortable putting this guy in high leverage situations in the playoffs for you know five six minute stretch? If the answer is yes, then I think that's fine. I mean, really, it's basically don't let the house catch fire, yeah. right? Because like the Sixers, you know, more often than not are going to win the Embiid minutes every night. Yep. So basically, if you can just you know basically you know hold the other you know big man to a stalemate when you're out on the court. You should be fine. And, you know, Paul Reed, by and large, can do that. And I think he can do that yep. in the postseason as well. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I think we have a, a pretty lively chat going on right now. It's mostly, it seems like, a lot debating of, OG versus Brogdon. Yeah, a lot of Brogdon talking in, in the Guys, chat. there's not going to be a trade until February, probably. Yeah. Enjoy the enjoy a historic performance and a win and a five and one start to the season. I'm a little surprised there's so much. I, and I get it. Like you just got back. Uh, and I wrote an article at LPHLY where I'm like, this trade isn't really for the pieces you got now. It's to set up the next trade. So I get right. the speculation, but I'm a little surprised in a post game pod that we've been, um, you know, almost entirely focused on uh, on Brogdon versus OG and two hypotheticals that aren't even really on the market right now. We got 146 mm-hmm. points by the Sixers today. We got you yep. know the the patron saint of Philadelphia, Mike Muscala, came back into town. He did. You know, so like we have a lot to celebrate. Can you imagine if he doesn't make those shots? <laughs> like where the hell would th- that's when like there's so much talk about like you know other teams trying to vent invent unhappiness from Joel Embiid to, that he wants out. Like, imagine if Tyrese Maxey wasn't on this team. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. No, no, Talk need, about one no. of the, the most random, fortuitous uh, events in Sixers history. There needs to be another statue out in front of the practice facility in Camden. I know the AI statue <laughs> yes. is coming. There needs to be a Mike Muscala statue because if right Tyrese Maxey... Right next to Dolph Shays, put exactly. you know, Mike Muscala. Yep. If, Mike, if, if Tyrese Maxey was not on this team, I have no... This I don't even... It would be a, some alternate MCU, alternate multiverse thing going on where it would just be <laughs> terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I feel like I feel like we could have some MCU discussions or maybe some tech discussions. I appreciate Roy for a number of reasons, one of which is the fact that I think he's probably the only person to walk into these studios with an Android phone that wasn't me. So I appreciate I that. I Roy and I are are, are two uh, former tech guys. Kindred who, spirits, if yep, you will. Yep, for sure. <laughs> if you have any questions in the chat that aren't trade-related, I don't feel like getting into a Brogdon versus OG debate tonight. We have a game. Can we talk, talk about, about OG, though? I, can, just for a second. Sure. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, right, well, <laughs> how, about, how about this? I'll, I'll, I'll finish off with the final ad read. Okay. We've got we to pay the bills okay, a little bit. Okay, got to pay the bills. Got to pay the bills. If you do have any questions, drop them in the chat. Our producer, Bree, will flag them, and we'll try to talk to them if we have 
some time here after, uh, after Rory talks about OG. Before that, a quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right, so you wanted to thank you, Corey, for mentioning that you love your Android phone. It's nice to see that there are some people in the chat who aren't sheep. Hashtag Team Android. <laughs> I have very strong anti-Apple opinions, even <laughs> though Roy has come slightly over to the dark side by having a, a Mac laptop. It's fine. I still love Roy. You just love him a little less now. That's fine. You know, again, we all have our failings in life. You know, this may, this isn't really a failing. It's pretty, it's pretty Pro nice. There's probably some people confused. Um, uh, <laughs> just, I have very strong opinions on tech that I rarely share. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. So, OG, I, I think, and again, the Sixers have a ton of assets, a ton of pieces they can trade to get OG. I think Toronto will be receptive to a move if you, if you move the right things. I don't think OG would cost you a lot of money to re-sign. Obviously, you don't make a deal unless you you know lock him up long-term. And I think that still gives you flexibility to bring in someone else. Now, I am not convinced that OG can be the third guy. Like, he is not the third man who's going to be the, you know, the complimentary scorer, I believe, to Embiid and Maxi. But he has a pretty decent floor, yeah. or at worst, he's, you know, at, at best, he's probably a low-end three. At worst, he's probably a high-end fourth option, if that makes sense. And you still have $30 million this summer to, to kind of play with, to, to bring in someone else. Mm -hmm. I think OG is a really good piece to bring in if you can make it happen, and I don't see why the Raptors would not do it. Yeah, I think OG would be an incredible, incredible piece to have on your roster. I think you made a good point. He's more of a fourth option and a third option, and with how little shot creation you have on his team, you might end up putting him in a situation where he might try to create more than he's capable of or more than you would ideally have him do. Agreed. And because of his deficiency in that regard and because of how many assets, whether that is draft picks at the deadline or you know cap space or expiring contracts or whatever those assets end up being, you have to give up for him. It might be tough to get you know, maybe that other piece that you need to make OG make perfect sense. I think overall... OG is probably underrated by many Sixers fans because he's not that flashy scorer, because you can't bring him in and expect him to drop 20 a night, because you can't bring him in and expect him to really create at all for other players, right. because you'd probably be look, looking at the roster and say they still need one more real creator. So I could see some fans looking at him and being like, I'm not sure if he's a final piece. And I get that a little bit. Mm -hmm. That being said, if you could put him in the role where he was a fourth scorer, alongside Embiid, Maxi, and a player to be named later. He might be that perfect fourth uh, right. option in the league because he's a real knockdown catch-and-shoot player, because he's so big and, and it's, it's really tough to get a hand in his face, and because he's so versatile and so incredible defensively, he might be the best fourth. Like, if you can find a way to get a third option, he might be the best option to be that fourth option, like I said, in the league, or at least that is realistic to get in that role and for what the Sixers have. I'm just not sure the Sixers would have enough to get OG and also then go out and get the shot creator that they may need uh, in order to make me feel comfortable that against a team like the Boston Celtics, they will have enough creation to really be consistent. How much do you think, or I mean, I'm sure you'll you know, have to trade you know picks or whatever to, to get OG, but as far as cap space, I mean, you should have enough to, to bring in a, another guy who can, again, maybe not be the I. I don't know who 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 you envision as the ideal third option because there's a yeah. bunch of guys out there. I'm pretty sure you're not Team Pascal Siakam. I don't think you're Team Zach Levine. So I don't think those are the guys that you're looking at. So yeah. how much would that third option guy be? And I think given the cap, you know, ramifications of whatever you do for for OG and Anobi, I think you would have enough to bring in that guy. I don't know if it's Paul George. I'll just throw the names out there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough because I'm not sure how many of those will end up actually being realistic. Right. Um, you know, Levine, I think, is obviously in play. Uh, you'd have to trade for him, but I think right. he can. Um, Paul George, I just, I can't see leaving. And if you pursued someone like that, then you wouldn't have the money to go get OG. Um, it right. would be real tough to get two like that. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. the yeah. chat has been going off on OG versus Brogdon. That might be one of the only ones where you actually have a chance to get you both get of those both. guys. Right. Right. Um, I'm not sure if you have enough tradable assets, but it would be close. 
but in terms of like anyone bigger than that, like it, it, it feels like it's uh, it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, I'm just it, that's the thing. It's like there's certain guys who, you know, probably would fit. Like, you know, let's say a Paul George or Zach Living. Like those guys, they could be option number three. But again, you don't have that ancillary piece that you probably need. I think you. I think what's going to happen is I think the Sixers are probably going to make that move for an OG. Um, at the trade deadline, because I think you, I think, I think it's going to be easier to get him yeah. to get that option to get him now in February and you know make it happen or get him in February and make it happen, and then just figure it out in the summer. Because every summer there's always a guy who's disgruntled, there's always a guy who's yep. upset. So I think Daryl Moore is probably playing a long game in this and saying, you yep. know what, let I me agree. get that fourth piece and you know the, the fourth third slash fourth piece, and then when July comes around, you know maybe everything looks different. Maybe there's Again, an actual third option who's out there who wants to be here and who can fit in with those guys. We have a bunch of people bringing up Mikael Bridges' uh, relation to Devon Givens. I have uh, no issue with Mikael Bridges at all. You don't yeah, have enough perp- to get him. It, it, uh, you don't have enough assets to get him. That's yeah, a, a shame of it. Is like yeah, especially know. with him locked into that contract, which with the escalating salary cap yeah, is really below good, market. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good contract. Yeah, it's a really good deal. Yeah. You're not. You're not gonna. I don't think he's in play. Um, we have a super chat here from Corey. Mentioning that the ideal final piece is to bring back Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy would be great, and he's also entertaining as heck. I'd love to cover him again. No issues. Uh, he no would issues fit in as that third scorer and that 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 secondary creator really well. Maybe not the best off-ball shooter that you would want, but you'll you'll live with that. Uh, I just I I can't see yeah, Riley and them not, trading it back. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think they're the kind of organization that's going to bail. If, you know, if they and I think they could really struggle this year. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think they're going to bail this quickly. Any any interest in bringing back Drew Holiday? Sure. I just I, I, I don't, don't know if think, he's the uh, three. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if he's that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll give you that shot creation. He'll give you the scoring. You know, he can be an ancillary scorer, but he you know. He's not going to, you know, drop thirty. But no, I, I, mean, I, I love Drew. I certainly worry about his. He'll be 30 34? I think. I think, yeah. I think he turns thirty-four before free agency. Uh, you yeah. worry about that, right? I, I think Boston's a pretty close to a lock to lock him up. I, would, I, would, I don't I think they traded for him to be a one-year rental. Okay. Um, all right. I think we have a couple of chats here, uh, questions here, in in the chat. If you want to pick out one that maybe suits your fancy. We have a couple more. In sure. All right. We'll, we'll go with the first one. Daniel Scullin. How do you think, how do you guys think the Sixers match up defensively with the Celtics? Also, can you talk a bit about Kelly Oubre's defense this season? Uh, look, I can talk about K-9 all day. Is that, is that his official nickname? Kelly Oubre is K-9? I don't know. Go for it. I mean, that, I mean, that's what they, they were. Oh, let me consult basketball reference. They were, they were calling him. They were call, Oh yeah. Basketball reference. No, Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre has been fantastic. And again, I don't know if this is contract year, Kelly Oubre, you know, chip on your shoulder, Kelly Oubre, but he's been locked in. He's been dialed in. And like Derek said before, you know, he had a game today where he didn't score 20, but he was engaged on defense. He scored five points. And again, he, he made it, he made a, an effort on both sides of the ball. So, I think you're going to engage Kelly Oubre. Does it last for 82 games? I don't know. I but I you know I like what I see so far. Um, as far as matching up, defensively, so they they, they yeah. do list K9 as an, uh, a nickname. They there also have Tsunami Poppy. Tsunami Tsunami Poppy. I don't know where it came from. It's just on his Basketball Reference page. If it's on Basketball Reference, it has to be true. Yep. So I agree. So Tsunami Poppy. Um, how do they match up defensively against the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, that, how does anybody match up defensively against the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, I mean really, look, Porzingis who, who? might be in like the perfect role right now. Yeah. Like in terms of just run, pick and pop, catch and shoot, make decisions. Like he is in an op- optimal role. And the way that opens up for Tatum and Brown and makes, especially Tatum, makes right. his decisions so much easier, gives him more space to attack. The passes are easier. They are a machine right now. And you have, you know, another, a better ball handler in, in Drew Holiday to take some of the pressure off of off of the wings. Because, again, cause Tatum handled the ball a lot last year. Yep. Jalen Brown handled the ball a lot last year. Now Drew Holiday, who I think is a be- it's, he is a better facilitator than Marcus Smart. So, again, you have a little bit less, you know, duties for for those wing guys. Boston right now has the number one ranked offense in the league mm-hmm. at 125.5 points per 100. And they have the number two ranked defense in the league at 104.7. Obviously then that net rating uh, is of plus 20.8 is not only number one Ooh. in the league. The Sixers actually are next closest at 13.7, barely more than half. Hmm. They are playing okay basketball. They're, they're playing pretty well. I mean, they're playing pretty well. They put up, what, 155 last week, the Celtics yeah. against, uh, was it Indiana, I believe it was? Um, well, the Sixers just, you know, put up, what, buck 46, so. I mean, th- then again, the Pacers are, A, awful defensively, and B, yeah. they they play really fast. 
Uh, so I think a lot of teams are going to put up some big numbers, but that is a very big number. No, Celtics yeah. did end up losing. Oh, no, there's 231 left in overtime. Never mind. Take yes. Yeah, Celtics got pushed the overtime tonight or by the by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're a really, yeah, they're, again, that's the measuring stick. It's just like, you know, when the Eagles, you know, play the Cowboys and they play the Niners, there's certain teams in the league where, again, you find out, you'll find out, find out how good you are immediately when you face those teams. So we'll find out, um, you know, Wednesday when the, uh, when they play the Celtics. All right. I think that's probably a good place here to cut it off. My apologies that we didn't get two more questions in the chat, uh, but we had a, a pretty lot. We, I mean, we had a lot. It's Joel Embiid dropped 29 points in a quarter. We had some stuff to talk about. Yeah. Roy, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Derek. Uh, it was great to talk some hoops to you. We'll have to do this again. Thank you to everyone there in the chat. And if you're not subs- or if you're not sub- uh, subscribed to us on YouTube, go subscribe. Hit the bell notification. You can get a uh, notification or bell icon. You get notifications when we go live. We will be doing this after pretty much every game. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Roy, once again thank for you, joining us. And we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.